Hello guys and welcome back to the Book Militia Booktube channel uh, where we are doing uh, book readings and discussing them chapter by chapter uh, and creating playlists so that you can follow along with any of the books that you are interested in. So today we are going to start a new book and that book is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Now I normally do a intro uh, as I did on our other readings but uh, this time, I did not want to read the synopsis of the current book that we are going to be reading because I didn't want to have any hint of what this book uh, was about. Now, this book has been getting a lot of hype recently. It's kind of hard if you're a, uh active member of Goodreads or uh, the BookTube community in general uh, to have not heard about this book. Uh, I have done my best to stay away from any reviews. Uh, I have not read the synopsis of this book at all. So I am going into this completely blind. And uh, so when we discuss the chapter by chapter, it's going to be fresh. Everything that I read is going to be completely new to me. And there will be a lot of speculating as to what I think is going on. Uh, for those of you have that are following on and have already read the book, uh, it might be really interesting uh, for you to see how I react and uh, you know the things that I have to say about the the chapters themselves. So today we're going to start off with the prologue. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you could spend your time anywhere else, and I highly appreciate it that you chose to spend it with me. And with that, let's get started with The Cruel Prince by Holly Black, starting with the prologue. Okay, so uh, just a few things I want to get out of the way. Uh, I, I will not read ahead at all, so when I discuss a chapter or a prologue, that chapter or that prologue is the only thing I've read so far, so I have nothing that is influencing uh, what I'm thinking about the chapters, so that kind of gives you an idea, is kind of be going in blind for each chapter. So our story starts off with this man in a long dark coat, it says, uh, and he's standing out in front of uh, a house. Now, it says that no one had seen this guy uh, walk up the sidewalk. Now, I don't know what this meant. Uh, it sounds like this is a very uh, traditional neighborhood, trees lining the streets, uh, houses. Uh, sounds like a typical neighborhood. Uh, it says that he hadn't parked a car, nor had he come by taxi. So... This kind of gives us a hint of a time frame that we could be in. So that's the first thing I was thinking. When I thought of neighborhood houses, streets, cars, taxis, you know, I immediately thought of the present time. But, you know, I did a little bit of research and uh, uh, kind of studied what time frame this could possibly be in. And 
Uh, I came up with the, uh, it could be anywhere from the early 1900s. So that was uh, when cars and streets and everything started, you know, around that time. So from the 1900s and until our current time, uh, this book setting is in so far. Uh, it says that no one had seen him walking up the street and he just appeared suddenly as if stepping between shadows. Now, this, I uh, kind of thought, you know, did, did this guy just materialize? You know, did he just appear from another dimension? Or did he just seem to appear because nobody saw him or nobody was looking? So I'm not sure, you know, that, that's another thing that's going through my mind at this, this point. So the man walks up to the, this house that he was standing in front of, uh, and he raises his uh, fist to knock on the door. So now the scene cuts to inside uh, the house, and there was this one girl named Judge, and she was sitting on the floor eating fish sticks. Again, fish sticks. This, you know, piques my curiosity. You know, when was fish sticks invented? Trying to, again, get a time frame of this, and what I came up with was that 1920s was when fish sticks were invented. So now our time frame has moved up from the 1900s to the 1920s. So 1920s until current time. Now we're getting a kind of a frame of where this story is taking place in. It says the fish sticks were soggy from the microwave. Boom! Again, microwave. Okay, so I searched this. And again, our time frame moves up. Uh, because the first microwave was invented in 1946. So now, considerably, our time frame has moved up. So now we're looking at anywhere from 1946 to the current time. Uh, it said that Judge had a twin sister named Taryn, who was taking a nap on the couch. Uh, there was also an older sister named Vivian, who was watching TV. Um, she was watching a... Cartoon Mouse and Cat uh, program. So again, my mind immediately went to Tom and Jerry, uh, maybe. So this was around the 1940s uh, when Tom and Jerry was first uh, shown. So again, our timeline doesn't change at this point. Uh, now it says Vivi was a little bit different from the twins. Uh, she looked a little bit different. Now, of course, you know, twins look alike, especially if they're identical twins. Uh, and they indeed were. Uh, they had shaggy brown hair and heart-shaped faces. Now, it says that Vivi's eyes were different and that she had lightly furred ears or points on her ears. This confused me. Now, I have no idea what this means. Does she have furry ears? You know, or is her ears pointed like an elf? Or... Does the hair on her ears come to a point? You know, I'm not sure. This is just things that are going through my mind here. Um, it says, Vivi was used to other kids avoiding her uh, and noticed sometimes that her parents talked about her in hushed voices. So, yeah, Vivi's different, okay? She's uh, maybe picked on, maybe an outcast. Uh, not, not for sure yet, just, you know, things that I'm thinking about. Um, it says that Jude noticed uh, this behavior with her parents around Vivi, but 
you know, she didn't think much about it. Uh, you know, parents were always worried about one thing or another, so she didn't think much of it. Uh, the day was a sunny day. There were lawnmowers and kids splashing in pools. Uh, so probably I'm thinking around summertime. Uh, it says dad was in the shed where he had a forge. Now this kind of threw me because if we are, uh, got our time frame up into the, uh, mid forties or late forties, again, the lawnmower type thing, lawnmowers were already around in the forties. So again, our time frame hasn't moved any, but having a forge in your shed or in your garage sounds a little bit out of place to me. Uh, now, Especially, you know, if this was the 1940s. Unless her dad had this, you know, hobby of uh, making things in a forge the old ways that, th that people used to do. You know, that could be also. Uh, I'm not sure how elaborate uh, a stove or a heater needs to be to be called a forge. Uh, but anyway, it says that uh, her dad had a hobby of forging and doing things the old ways. So, yeah, maybe it's just a hobby. So, Mom was in the kitchen cooking hamburgers. It was just a normal day. Uh, then suddenly, a knock came at the door. So, you know, this has got to be the guy that was standing in the dark coat outside of their house. Jude hopped up quickly to answer it. Uh, she had hoped that it was one of the neighbor girls that was inviting her to play, or maybe even... Uh, you know, inviting her to uh, swim in the pool in their backyard. Uh, but she had found a tall man staring down at her. He wore a brown leather duster, uh, even though it was hot. So this is kind of out of place. You know, this guy's, I'm thinking, you know, a cowboy uh, type full length leather duster uh, in, in the heat of the summer. Uh, said he had silver-lined shoes that made a clanging noise as he stepped into the house. So this guy just, you know, just comes right into the house. And Jude, I guess, was a little bit frightened, as you would be, and yelled, Mom, someone's here. And, you know, this strange guy just walked into her house. So probably her her voice had a little bit of alarm to it. Uh, since this guy just walked in the house uninvited. So mom comes out of the kitchen. Uh, she takes one look at the man, and suddenly her face just goes pale. Uh, she looks at Jude and, go, and says, go to your room now. Now, you know, we're in the front room, uh, I guess, where uh, the door is. Now, the other two sisters are in the living room, so apparently this is a separate room. Uh, that the other two girls are not seeing what's going on. Uh, but the mom says, you know, go to your room now. So pretty strongly. And the man says, whose child is that? Pointing at, at Jude. Yours? His? Who, you know, who is this guy? You know, very, very fishy. Something's going on here. Uh, the girl's mother said, no one's. But Jude and Taryn looked just like their dad. Okay, so Jude and Taryn are the twins, looked just like their dad. Uh, everyone had said so. 
Uh, Jude started towards the steps to go up to a room. I guess her room would be on the second floor. Um, and Jude thought uh, she didn't want to be alone in her room. And maybe Vivi, uh, she will probably know what to do. And she might know who this tall man is. So instead of, you know, going up the steps to her room, Jude is kind of just pausing to see what's going to go on. She might even be inching towards uh, the living room, you know, where her sister is uh, watching TV. The man speaks and says, I have seen many impossible things in my time. I've seen an acorn before the oak. I've seen the spark before the flame. But I have never seen such as this, a dead woman living, a child born from nothing. And the mom didn't say anything, so uh, this guy also speaks strangely, you know. Uh, the man continued, I didn't believe him when Belkin had told me. You know, we have no idea who Belkin is, but um, Belkin had told me I would find you here. So apparently someone has told you know, this guy in the dark coat that uh, this lady, the mom, is here. The bones of an earthly woman and a child in my burned estate were convincing. Do you know what it's like to come back from battle to find your wife dead and your only heir with her? To find your life reduced to ash? Okay, so now I'm starting to get a picture of maybe what has happened. So uh, does this mom have some relationship with this guy or had some relationship with this guy in the past? And uh, anyway, you know, this kind of thinking uh, is going through my mind at this time. Uh, the mother was just sitting there shaking her head, you know, and the man stepped uh, toward the mom and the mom took a step back. Uh the tall man, it says, moved a little stiff, uh, favoring one of his legs. So, uh, you know, maybe he's had a previous inter uh, injury. It did say he came back from battle when he found his estate burned. So I don't know. This could be a war injury or something like that. Uh, Jude still was standing at the staircase, you know, watching uh, what was going on. And she, she noticed that this guy, uh, as he moved into the light, his skin looked a little bit strange. He had some kind of uh, odd green tint uh, to his skin, and his lower teeth seemed too large for his mouth. It says also she noticed that his eyes were like Vivi's. Now, I had to go back because uh, the first time that I read when it was describing Vivi, I guess I was fo focusing too much on her furry ears and missed the part about her eyes, but I I went back and uh, read it said she had slit eyes. So again, you know, I'm starting to think, uh, what did that mean? You know, uh, did did that mean that her eyes were were like uh, reptiles? You know, with the the long slit in the middle for the pupil. You know. A lot of things just, you know, going through my mind here. The ladies faked her death, ran away from whoever this man is. Uh, Vivi and him have similar eyes, so it sounds like this could be Vivi's father. Okay, uh, Mom says that 
I was never going to be happy with you. Your world isn't for people like me. So again, you know, more speculations are coming in uh, now. What what did she mean by that? Your world, you know, I'm again, you know, just all of these things are just hitting me, and I'm just trying to put this picture together, and you know, I'm just not able to with the amount of information that I have at this time. The man said, "You made vows." The the mother replied, and then I renounced them. What is a promise from a mortal wife worth? I guess now I know, the man said. So, more speculation. Mortal wife. So, is this guy not mortal? Uh, immortal? He doesn't die? Uh, you know, again, more questions. More questions. Jude ran into the living room. So, remember, Jude was standing at the staircase. Instead of going up to her room like her mom had told her, she kind of eased and uh, ran into the living room. Uh, it says that Taryn was still sleeping, and Vivi looked up at Jude and said, Who was at the door? And Jude told her, A scary man. Mom said to go upstairs. Vivi sighed and woke Taryn up as they all went into the hallway. Jude looked up as her father came in uh, the back door, and he was holding an axe. Now, apparently this was not an unusual thing for him to be holding an axe. Uh, the axe had been forged to be an exact replica of uh, one that her father had studied in a museum that he had seen in Iceland. Uh, but the way he held it is what uh, made Jude take notice. Uh, he was carrying it uh, as if he was about to use it. Uh, it says him, uh, his dad and his friends uh, would spend hours talking about, you know, these old weapons and designing them and sketching them out. So it seems like kind of a hobby him and his, his dad and his friends had. Uh, but again, you know, he was holding it uh, as if he was about to use it. Uh, her father, father suddenly swung the axe at the tall man. Uh, she had never seen him act aggressive at all. In fact, even when he had um, corrected the girls, he had never done it, you know, in a harsh voice. So this is uh, very new uh, actions that uh, from her father that she's never seen before. The father missed the guy and the axe had embedded into the uh, wood trim of the door. Uh, the tall man suddenly took out a sword from under his long coat and uh, her dad was you know trying to free the axe from the wood and then suddenly the man plunges the sword into her father's stomach uh, dad falls to the floor mom screams all of the girls scream everyone was screaming except the tall man okay unusual I would say for a person to be carrying a sword especially in the 1940s you know it was quite a long time ago, but still, I don't think people walked around with swords. Uh, so, you know, again, where's this guy came from? The man looked at Vivi and said, come here. The mother said, you know, at the same time, you monster. And she moved towards the kitchen. Uh, He's dead. Do not run from me, the man said. Not at, after what you have done. If you run again, I swear, I... And mom took off, you know. 
she had almost made it to the kitchen when uh, the man's blade stuck into her back and she fell to the linoleum floor. Jude ran at the man, kicking and hitting him, and the man didn't react at all, uh, almost as if then he was in disbelief at what he'd just done, you know, uh, not sure if he, uh, out of passion, you know, just suddenly did all this violence, but he sank to the floor, it says, and he held Jude's hands at her side so that she couldn't hit him anymore, but uh, the man was just looking at Vivian, and he spoke to Vivian, and he said, You were stolen from me. Uh, I have come to take you to your true home in Elfheim, beneath the hill. So, kind of a strange name. Uh, elf, you know, I'm thinking pointed to your elf. Is she an elf? You know, part elf? Is he an elf? I don't know. Uh, but Elfheim beneath the hill sounds like something out of a hobbit, you know. Uh, the, the place where they lived. Uh, there you will be rich beyond your dreams. There you will be with your own kind. No, Vivi said, I will never go anywhere with you. So with your own kind, apparently Vivi is not, you know, uh, a human. Not, you know, I don't know. Own kind, I don't, we don't even know what kind that uh, the sisters of the mom and dad were. It didn't explain, you know. Uh, but the guy continues, he says, I'm your father, he said in a harsh voice, and you are my heir and my blood, and you will obey me. Jude looked up and said, you're not her father. Actually, no, he was still holding Jude. You're not her father. Uh, but Vivi had, had uh, the same eyes as he did. Uh, Taryn was crying, shaking her mom. Mom, mom, you know, but uh, she realized that, you know, they, meaning her dad and her mom, they were never going to move again. Vivi said, I hate you. I will always hate you. I vow it. And the man said, nonetheless, you will come with me. So get these little humans ready and pack light. We ride before dark. So these little humans, uh, this man, I guess, is not a human. Uh, and Vivian, Vivi is maybe half not human. <laughs> you know, who knows? We're we're still learning. Uh, but part, you know, part something. She's part something. Part human and part something. Um, Vivi said, "Leave them alone." You know, talking about her sisters, uh, and said, "Take me if you must, but leave them alone." Uh, the man says. You would protect your sisters from me? He laughed. Tell me then, where would you have them go? Vivi didn't answer. Uh, they had no grandparents. Uh, there were no living relatives that she knew of at all. So the man said, They are the progeny of my wife, and so my responsibility. I may be cruel, I may be a monster, and a murderer, but I handle my responsibilities. Okay, so that ends that scene. Now we skip to years later. Um, Jude is thinking about this incident is kind of uh, the story that we were just told was kind of through Jude's thinking. Uh, she 
could remember a lot of it clearly, but the part she couldn't remember was where they had packed. Uh, Vivi had prepared everything, including toys, photos, clothes, or maybe Jude herself had packed, but she just couldn't remember. That was part uh, of the memory that had disappeared from her. Uh, it says also that the horrors of the murders had dulled uh, within her with time, and her memories had faded uh, bit by bit. It says, A black horse was eating grass when they went outside. The tall man swung her and Taryn up on the saddle. So it looks like we are flashing back again to when her parents have just got killed. So apparently they've packed everything up. They walked outside. There's a horse. So there's this horse uh, when they walk outside and he's eating grass. The tall man swung her and Taryn, meaning Jude, uh, up on the saddle. He put Vivi behind him. And he told all of, them to, all of them to hold on. And it says that Jude and her sisters cried all the way to fairyland. Okay. And that is going to end the prologue. Wow. Talking about something, just a story grabbing you and sucking you in. All I can say is, wow. I am so excited about getting into this book and reading more about this story. So, if they're going to Fairyland, I guess that the tall man was a uh, fairy. Uh, fae, as some people will say. And I guess that uh, Vivi is half fairy and half whatever her mom was. We'll just say human for now, okay? Because the tall man said little human. So, uh, I guess human. So, uh, interesting. Looking forward to reading more, uh, but with that, we're going to end the episode. Uh, this has been the epilogue of The Cruel Prince by uh, Holly Black. Thank you for joining me. If you are listening on the podcast, welcome, and thank you to you also. We are the Book Militia on YouTube, and I will see you on the next video. Take care, guys.